0: Top of the morning to you, and welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. We're so excited for you guys today. Got something very different, very cool, someone very different, very cool today for all of you. We haven't gone down the musical train too often on this show, even though being Irish, music is probably one of the biggest values in Ireland. I'd say music and, and drinking in that order, by the way, just so you know, <laughs> we're, we're not properly branded. But today we have Grammy-nominated artists who sold millions of albums, some phenomenal songs that we all know, and John Androsik spoke at our recent Mastermind event and just uh, lit up the world. My kids said, of all the people you've had speak at Mastermind, Dad, and we've had everybody, he was our favorite. So you passed the kids' test there, John. We want to thank you for being on
1: our show today, and Welcome. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be with you, and, and glad to see you have your Irish priorities in order. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do.
0: So I'm going to give a context for those who've been living under a rock a little bit. Uh, John has gone by his band's name or his, his artist name, Five for Fighting, for all these years. Uh, hits such as Superman or 100 Years, brilliant, brilliant tunes, among many others. And John also has a unique connection to our audience in that John is a multi-generational small business guy, and his family's run a small business. He's involved in the family business, and you don't normally think about music superstars or whatnot being involved in uh, small businesses, but John is, and we're going to get into all of that today and how it can apply and benefit all of you folks listening. But before we kind of delve in, John, talk about creativity and your process and how that can ultimately help a small business owner and so on and so forth. Let's get into a little backstory a little bit and tell the folks who you are, where you're from, what the family life was like, if you would.
1: Yeah, I'm from Los Angeles. Andrasik is a Slovak heritage. I'm kind of fourth generation business owner here. Actually, am sitting in the offices of Precision Wire as we speak. And I'm married to uh, the love of my life, who's actually a music publisher, who got me my first record deal. So <laughs> the kind of beauty of my career has been that We've been able to kind of ride the roller coaster together and, and share the ups and the downs, and she's been such a great support for me. And, and I have two kids, Johnny and Olivia. My son, Johnny, just went off to college, so we had the first college drop-off uh, <laughs> moment that I know you're very familiar mm. with and don't be surprised if there's a song yeah to out of that. <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say
0: if ever there was you know i was thinking drive away right that would be the song's name <laughs> drive away
1: you, you know, know it's hard it's it's, it's, re- it's such a unique moment because it's kind of the saddest happiest day of your life right because usually when something you're sad about something if you could change it you would mm. but you know you're not going to change that it's, it's life it's what's supposed to happen and And it's exciting for him. But, you know, I had this big speech and I had all this stuff I was going to say. And when that moment came, you know, like life does... I just choked up. I couldn't say a thing. Yep. And, and luckily he said, it's all good, Dad. You yeah. know, and, uh, you know, I'll see you soon. And, and he took the reins, and I guess that was appropriate. And, <laughs> yeah, don't be surprised if at uh, the next event you'll hear the empty nest fire for five years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I mean, you're saying that. Obviously, so many of us can really I can picture, you know, bringing my son to SMU. And, you know, he's the oldest of my six kids. And here's a you know, big, rough, tough guy gonna to go play football and you know, he's gone on and served in the military and done all this stuff. But I remember mm-hmm. dropping him off and I literally I just couldn't say a word. And I was standing there and my wife was fine, Beverly's like, Okay, you know, good, take care, you know. And I was standing there and I actually couldn't say a word. I actually couldn't get a sound out of my mouth, literally just choked. It just all hit me at one time, you know. And I think sometimes we get so busy that all of a sudden you hit those moments. And I think that's one of the magics of music is that it can bring you back to those places and kind of give you perspective. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and how one of your songs is encapsulated in the American psyche following nine eleven. But talk to a little bit about this. I, You know, I'm from Ireland. I'm a fifth-generation painter and decorator. Talk about your dad and Precision Wire and the good old family business and where it came from and some of the principles your dad shared with you.
1: Well, you know, my great grandfather was wandering the hills of Slovakia and and one of the trades back then was wire working, mostly with hand melding and kind of design. And like many folks back then, you know, like you and your book, you know, your immigrant edge, you know, he wanted a better life for his family. So he came out to the States and kind of settled in Los Angeles. And had two boys, one being my grandfather and then my uncle, and And in the early 1900s started a business called Wire Products, uh, making things out of wire.
0: And, <laughs> you know, you uh, got to say that for the Slovaks. They were pretty
1: simple with the names, right? It was like That's right. Don't wire, get too carried away. <laughs> yeah, hey, sometimes branding is just tell them what you do. And uh, as things happened, the two brothers, one being my grandfather, had a kind of, difference of philosophies. Mm-hmm. So, again, in the Slovak way, my grandfather founded a new business, Precision Wire Products. <laughs> and, and they tell the story, you know, back in the 40s, if you wanted a real good deal, you could just pit my uncle and my grandfather against each other and <laughs> you did get a great deal. <laughs> so my grandfather ran kind of a down-dirty kind of wire shop in through the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and just kind of a hand-welding business in Watts, California. It had about 30, wow. 40 employees end up making things like uh, oven racks back in the day. And and my dad was, a, was on a different track. He was an astrophysicist at JPL, kind of wow. the, the farthest way to get. He was working kind of in the golden age of space exploration of the solar system. And I had the amazing childhood of, you know, he would bring home the first pictures of the moons of Titan. And on Sundays, I'd go to JPL and play Star Trek on the mainframe. It was, you know, surreal. And he had this very cool job. And then Very quickly, my grandfather got a brain aneurysm and in a week was gone. And my dad, who had been, you know, kind of working with the business a little bit, you know, as sons do, basically took the decision to like, okay, I'm going to go run Precision Wire. and, And he brought all his kind of engineering skills to Precision Wire and over the last 40 years has really grown into a a nice small business. We now have a facility in Commerce, California. We have about 300 people. Our claim to fame is we make the best shopping cart in the world. And for those of you who shop at Costco, you know that firsthand. And so he's been doing that and he just turned 80 this year, but he's still going strong, working, you know, 60 hours a week, traveling around, you know, meeting customers. And and he does it the right way. You know, it's a lot of these Harvard business doctorates come into the industry and, and try to knock out the old guy. But, you know, he makes good stuff. He makes the best stuff for a good price. And he has great relationships and integrity. And he's been doing that for a long time. And I've been spending more time down here. You know, I just got off tour uh, with our quartet tour and I'm down here today wow. and I leave in you know, another week for another tour but I, I kind of split my time down here working with Dad it's so crazy John that
0: you I mean you just kind of say like that's kind of normal you, you kind of I just want to point out that a that's not normal and B you're not normal <laughs> but I just want to point that out yeah I just got off tour and now I'm back in precision wire <laughs> sitting in a meeting on the shopping carts for Costco but there's a part of that I really like I think it's one of the reasons we kind of hit it off. I'm the son of a tradesman, fifth-generation painter. I remember standing still the first time I ever heard you share kind of about your dad's principles for business, which I think are a book or maybe a song. But, you know, I I think it's that grittiness, that groundedness. You know, here you are, you're an L.A. guy, Grammy-nominated, your songs are widely known, and yet you have this groundedness. And I think it's the same groundedness that probably takes an astrophysicist to leave JBL and go back into the precision wire business. And I think it's probably the same type of thing that you can probably have confidence on when you leave your son off to college. It's in the DNA. It's in the values you've been raised with and I'm sure you've passed on. But I think this is a golden moment for people who own a small business. I'd love you to share the principles that your dad has shared with you that are simple, profound, but that ultimately the guiding values of precision wire.
1: Well, you know, as you say, it seems like it's two completely different worlds and and certainly, you know, the kind of celebrity musician guy and the guy running the down and dirty welding business, it seems like it's it's a million miles apart. But I think at its base, there's a lot of similarities. And and I think you know this. At the end of the day, it's still about relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's relationship with a supplier who sells us wire for 25 years, or a radio programmer who plays my song. Mm -hmm. It's still about perseverance. You know, when my dad came into the business, he certainly didn't have a lot of experience running a wire welding business and he made mistakes and and he stuck to it and he put the hours in and You know, music sounds very romantic, but you know, behind the curtain, it's really about just an exercise in failure and writing hundreds of songs to get the 10 you hear Mm -hmm. and writing thousands of songs to get the maybe two that the world knows. And you don't really think about that. So, you know, there's the perseverance and learning from your mistakes and, and being humble. And when you do succeed, kind of understanding it's not all about you. You know, we got 300 people here and I can't do what most of them do every day and uh, it's the same with the music business. I was very fortunate, Brian. I had success at a very late age. I was in my early 30s when Superman hit and that's incredibly late for a musician. Usually by then you have to get a real job. (laughs) But for me it it was the 15 year overnight success story. I really appreciated not only the people that helped me you know kind of realize my childhood dream but I appreciated the 15 years of getting the door slammed in my face and Unless you have that, I think sometimes you can think it's all about you. And, and I think my dad's always run it that way. You know, he's old school. He doesn't send email. <laughs> he talks to you on the phone. You know, if we make a mistake, he's the first one to go there and tell you, this is what happened. This is how we're going to fix it. Us. He doesn't blame anybody. He's accountable. And at the end of the day, with all these kind of new paradigms about, you know, how to succeed in business and, and all the kind of graduate programs and Mm -hmm. and philosophies he makes the best stuff he sells it for a good price not the cheapest Mm -hmm. but he sells it for a good price he provides the best value and he's honest and has the highest integrity of anybody that i've ever met Mm -hmm. and do we always win no are we very conservative yes we've only borrowed money once in 40 years and that was to buy the building Mm -hmm. and that's paid off so we got no debt, so that allows us to survive when the economy goes backwards. Right. And and sometimes we can't, you know, win the race with some of the bunnies. But you know, we're the survivors, and and we're there long term. And I think that's what he's passed on. Well, to me. you
0: look at that. I mean, right for everyone listening, it's focus on relationships. You got to persevere, and then have your core values. Make the best stuff. Do it at a good value, and then be honest. That is old school. And you know, the fact of the matter is, we're living in a very complicated, confusing times. With confusing messages, business interrupters, artificial intelligence, whatever else. But we got emotional intelligence. We got values. We got things that human beings value beyond what machines value, and it's powerful stuff. And you know, I love it. I love this stuff. I love your dad, and I've never met him. You know, John. I I can (laughs) see him. I I, you know I have a lot of Serbian friends, and I have a lot of people from Eastern Europe that work for me, and I've spoken over in Europe and uh, by Japers, the most honest entrepreneurial uh, we've trained in 37 countries the czechoslovakians were the most entrepreneurial people i've ever met in my life because they were so oppressed for so long yeah and they are on it like white on rice and absolutely phenomenal so it's lovely to hear this stuff i want to switch gears now but bring these kind of principles to life and talk a little bit about it because what was it like for 15 years getting the door slammed in your face? I can't imagine having a hard-working Slovak family that has a family business that they're like, you know, Dad, I want to be a dancer. You know, I, I, can't, <laughs> I, I can't imagine that got a great review. I want to be a musician. How did that go with your parents as far as you wanting to be a musician instead of just grinding the family business?
1: You know, it's interesting because my mom's the musician. She's right. a piano major and she's the, you know piano teacher, and, you know, I think she's still waiting for the whole house of cards to collapse. Uh, you, know, <laughs> she, she, uh, you know, she she was very, <laughs> I think, very hesitant about me going into the business because yeah. she knew the odds. And the odds are the odds. It, yeah. it's, it's not a meritocracy. You know, you could be the Michael Jordan of the music business and right. never sell a record. It's right. just the way it goes. And, mm-hmm. But I, I kind of made a deal with my parents. I, I kind of said, all right, I'm, I'm going to get the math degree. I'm going to have the plan B so when this thing falls apart that uh, I can go get a job. And and it was kind of the perfect relationship because I could kind of work at Precision Wire, pay my rent, and then at night, you know, go play a coffee house or or kind of, uh, you know, go do an audition or, or spend the time writing and making a record, and it really allowed me to have the luxury to take 10 years to see if this thing could work, and in the meantime, you know, my dad got some cheap labor, and uh, (laughs) so it worked for him, but I was very blessed to have their support. I never could have done it without their support, so, you know, I'm eternally grateful, and it was very exciting when when I started to have success to see their pride and their excitement for me, and, you know, but uh, again, it was for me, it's tough, you know, Steve Jobs says, half of the success for any entrepreneur is pure perseverance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. And and certainly you have to be practical, you know, you can't you know, as much as I want to play point guard for Lakers, that won't yeah, right. happen. Right. But you also need to take strategic risks. And also you need to be honest with yourself. And I was getting to the point where, you know, I cut off all my hair. I was wearing suits. I thought it was over and mm-hmm. and boy, you know, I got this last little shot and I got a song out called Easy Tonight and had just enough success to get another song, and that song was Superman. And, mm. and again, it was such a fluke. You know, it was kind of a one of a 1000000 thing. But, you know, it's like they say. It's like you work hard to give your chance to get lucky, and, and for me, the stars aligned. But, you know, if music never happened, then I'm sure I'd have been happy doing something else. But it was a passion in you, right? I mean, it's funny. I'm listening to you. Like my mom,
0: you know, God bless moms, right? The dad's like, yeah, practical, practical. My mom believed in me, and at the same time, I remember, I'm years into this. We have hundreds of employees. We're changing people's businesses all over the world. And She goes, Brian, have you ever thought about getting your bits of paper over there in America? And the bits of paper meant, <laughs> you know you know what I mean by that, right? I, <laughs> yeah. I have my college education in Ireland. She, yeah. Can you get your bits of paper over there? And, and for her, that meant being an accountant. And at the time, yeah. I think I had 20 accountants working for me. But she's like, you know, in case this whole thing falls in on itself, would you ever get your bits of paper? And I'm like, you know, I had been in retirement for 20 years at this stage. You know, (laughs) you got to love those moms. Where would we be without them? Let's back up just a sec. I want to talk to people because I've met a number of people. And again, this is classic. They love Five for Fighting. And I always have to explain to them who John Andrasik is. Explain that to me, how the name came about and where that landed.
1: Yeah, and and there's a lesson in that, too. five for fighting is a hockey term for the the folks listening that are hockey fans. You know, in the NHL, if you get in a fight, they still fight. You get five minutes in the penalty box. You got to go to the timeout room. You're a bad boy. And uh, early in my career, it was the late 90s, and I just made my first record. I was very excited. The head of the label produced my record, and... Right when the record's about to come out, they came to me and said, you know, John, you know, the male singer-songwriter is dead. This is the age of Lilith Fair, boy bands, grunge music. And we would really like you to come up with a band name. And I was frankly a little bit insulted and sarcastically, you know, I just come from a hockey game and there's been a few fights. And I sarcastically spit out, okay, guys, how about Five for Fighting, expecting them to hate it. And they're like, we love it. Oh, no. And I'm like, you guys are nuts. And early in my career, everybody thought we were like a heavy metal band (laughs) and I'd be booked in all these heavy metal concerts and sounds like Metallica. And they're like, where are the five guys? And, you know, it's actually an interesting business marketing exercise because I. I truly believe that the disconnect between five for fighting the songs, people know the fact that there's no band and it's this guy, John is probably cost the label, you know, a million records just because you should know who the singer is of the song you like. (laughs) On the other hand, you know, it's an example. And and we've talked about this about, you know, you're going to be faced with challenges in your career and you can either just accept that this sucks or you can say, how can I turn this into a silver lining And for me? We were stuck with the brand we weren't going to change the name we would sold a million records and I, I went to my manager and said look i'm i'm a huge la kings fan the name is a hockey term go to the nhl and you know six months later i'm sitting at staples center playing superman during the all-star game and it led to monday night football and uh the daytona 500 and some of the highlights of my career you know i actually sat at home played at dodger stadium <laughs> For the King's Ducks outdoor game, my dad was sitting in the same seats that we went to when I was five years old, and I got to sing Superman in 100 years, you know, kind of in my home ballpark, and that stuff is priceless. And the ironic, and I think the lesson is, the fact is, John Androsic doesn't play those gigs, because I'm not big enough, you know, Mm -hmm. as a celebrity, Right. Five for Fighting does. So it's just an example of, you know, sometimes failure or challenges forces us to think out of the box, and they can be blessings, because... We're forced to change the paradigm and think a different way, right. and, and certainly Fight for Fighting was that example for us.
0: And for me, it's, as a business lesson, I face the same thing, which is I have an organization that has two brands. Buffini & Company is the leading small business coaching company in, in North America, and then Brian Buffini has his own personal brand, and that's one of the dynamics for our organization. And we actually sit down, and, and I think this is for many people. It's easy to build a personal brand. It's hard to build a corporate brand. And a lot of small business owners kind of challenge back and forward between that. And I think this is one of the most perfect examples of how there's great blessing in Five for Fighting. There's also some anonymity to that that's nice. But then the other point is, especially in the celebrity world, people can get their head around a person, you know, and focus their attention on a person. So I, I think there's a bigger issue there. There's almost another talk there, John, to be honest with you in regards to the difference between a, a corporate brand and a personal brand for the small business owner but we'll we'll die on that vine another day. I really want to get into this. I want to talk about Superman and I want to talk about that song and how you know people will say you're lucky and I, and I think there's definitely providence and there's definitely the right time at the right place but there's also 15 years of preparation. But Superman and how that landed in the context of what happened in 9/11 just talk a little bit about that and and what a phenomenon that became and what it's like to write a phenomenon like that.
1: You know, it's funny. When I first wrote Superman, I didn't think it was for me. I thought it was a nice song. I was a rocker. It was a ballad. I'm like, maybe we should give it to some, you know, Celine or (laughs) Mariah Carey or (laughs) something like that. And And my producer, Greg, I give him a lot of credit, kept saying, you know, that little song, we called it a little song. Mm. We should put that on your record. And and I always thought if anybody ever heard it, that they might, you know, embrace the sentiment of its, you know, innate humanity. But Mm. again, back in the day, in the the 90s, the piano was not on the radio. You know, Billy and Elton, Mm. who kind of dominated the 70s and 80s, it was gone. And as I told you, we had a song before Superman called Easy Tonight, that if that song doesn't hit, we never even get to Superman. Isn't that interesting? So the stars align, Superman comes out, nobody wants to play it. The radio station's like, it's too slow, it's too sentimental. And so, you know, what do you do? You get on the horse, you do the work, you get in the van, and you go visit 70 radio stations, you play, Uh, you kiss the ring, you do everything you have to do just so they give it a few spins, and all of a sudden, the phones start ringing a little bit. And ironically... I got a sense what Superman was going to be long before it was a hit here. I got a call from my record company, and they said, Superman's number one in Singapore. (laughs) And I'm like, what? And all of a sudden, kind of in Asia, Superman started becoming a huge song. And then over here, we got it right to the tipping point. And I think the reason Superman connected was because it was different. It wasn't like every song on the radio It had a sentiment that people could embrace. I've told you the story of the label was shocked that people, you know, old people, people in their thirties and forties were buying my song. And I think it connected with a whole different audience. And then, as you said, I was actually in London over there to promote Superman and 9-11 occurred. And I was stuck over there for a week and kind of in shock, like everybody else and trying to deal with the trauma and and the attack and the atrocity of 9-11 and, and my friend's started telling me that, you know, folks are using Superman to pay tribute to some of the firefighters mm-hmm. and, and some of the family members. And I really had no sense of how big it got till I got back to the States and, and then I got to call to do the concert for New York and mm-hmm. and that whole thing. And and it was certainly overwhelming and, and humbling. And, you know, to this day, it's hard for me to wrap my feelings around it because mm-hmm. certainly you never want right. to have any event like that be a catalyst for a song, even yeah. though it was a successful song. On the other hand... It truly kind of made me realize the power of music, and, right. and not just Superman. When I played the concert for New York, you know, there were people down there that had been at ground zero for a month, and and when The Who got on stage, and, and I saw these people sing at the top of their lungs and start crying, you know, with beers in their hands, it showed me that the power of the relief oh, yeah. that music could give. And, and, you know, from that and my interactions with troops overseas, I've really learned, the true meaning of music and how it can transform and, and heal. And, and for me, that was the greatest blessing of that whole experience. Is, right. it, it kind of showed me how music can matter in ways no other medium can. Well, and, and again, it was the attitude to serve.
0: It's interesting, actually, we're talking about it. I, I didn't think we'd go there, but like, I'm thinking about the times in my life I've been choked up. One was delivering my son to college. The other was that concert in New York. And mm. here's the thing. I had listened to the song. I'm not really that with it when it comes to the latest hit. But I was all over Superman the first time it came out because it was my type of music, but I had never heard the words you know how you can sing along to the words and you find out you've been singing the wrong words for years you know <laughs> yeah and so but I, I remember just being stopped in my tracks and it may sound absurd, but don't be naive. even heroes have the right to bleed. And I just remember I mean I again I couldn't breathe thinking of those firefighters, yeah. thinking of those policemen. Thinking to those people, it's like even heroes have the right to bleed. It just kind of—I don't know what to say. It kind of made sense of it all, and then then there was the hope, which is I may be disturbed, but won't you concede? Even heroes have the right to dream, and it was it was comfort and hope at the same time. And I actually just said the lyrics: the hair on my arms are standing up, talking to you. And I'm, it just—it was a moment of tremendous comfort and tremendous hope in the midst of such tragedy and it is amazing how music has that kind of power and I think it's great I think how you handle it was fantastic by the way because even that night and since that time no matter what happened it never became about you almost like you were just part of that being kind of brought along with that wave yourself but that was a magical moment and I, I know this it wasn't just the people who were there it was the people who were watching that millions and millions of people and all of a sudden as I like, hey, things are gonna be okay and it kind of just brought a, uh, I don't know, a sense of closure or let's move on with this. And yet a reverence and so on and so forth. That was a very profound experience for me. And that's why years later, I go, I was talking about booking speakers. And <laughs> our speakers bureau said, oh, you got to check out this guy, John Androsic." And I go, that name rings a bell. And I said, you mean Five for Fighting? And she goes, no, John Androsic." <laughs> 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 and so it was kind of a cool deal to have that moment this year. So here's what it did for me this year, and we're kind of off but on here, is, you know, you played that song for our audience, and my kids were sitting in the front row amongst 3,200 other people, and afterwards, you know, two days after the event, I sat them down, and we went through some YouTube footage and went through some, pro- and kind of leaned into the whole 9-11 deal and really bringing them back to it, and two of my kids weren't even born. Mm. So
1: uh, it was a powerful, powerful thing, you know. Well, thank you very much and it it's interesting what you said about kind of heroes and and you know we live in an age where we're kind of so celebrity conscious that we mm-hmm. think our heroes are actors or sports athletes or you know we're kind of obsessed with the politics of the day and and what was the key about nine eleven those heroes were nameless people that we walk by every day, and I think it really kind of spoke to kind of the culture and who we are as a culture and we really saw heroism from regular folks, and I think that is who we are and And uh, the nice thing about that time, too, is we really saw the country come together in a way I don't think we've seen before since, and and we could use a little bit more of that.
0: Yeah, we we could. Yeah, we could, well, maybe there's another song out there. We know the man who can do it. Now, thinking about that, because that's, right, the great demand is always, hey, uh, you know, a team wins a championship, can they repeat, right? And so (laughs) now all of a sudden, you're in the center of this thing. You've brought your gift to the marketplace at a time when the marketplace really needed your gift. But now there's a music, it's called the music business. And I think yeah. many of us are naive to how actual cutthroat it is, how challenging it is, how uh, you're the greatest thing in the world and now tastes change and no one wants to hear from you. How much pressure was there to follow that up to go, okay, now we need another moment of genius where you can, you know, raise the hair on someone's arms again. I mean, how much pressure were you under
1: and, and what did that feel like? Well, at the time, it felt immense. And and certainly the consequences were, you know, personally huge. Artistically, you want to show that you're not a one-hit wonder. Mm -hmm. You know, security for your family, you kind of know if you get another one, then unless you're kind of foolish, you're pretty good. And the other hesitancy, too, is, you know, you don't want to rewrite Superman, especially with what it became. Right. And and that's kind of the tendency sometimes we have is as soon as we have success, we kind of regurgitate what we did. Play it safe. And we play it safe. And the reality is, if I just wrote Superman 2, that probably is not going to facilitate what I need. And it was painful. I made a record. I took two years got in a big argument with the record company, but I realized that I didn't have the song yet. Mm. So I went back to the drawing board and I've told you, I write a hundred songs to get, you know, 10. I wrote probably two, 300 till I came up with kind of the concept for a hundred years. And, mm. and once I had hundred years, I kind of knew in my gut, I'm like, all right, this song could have existed if Superman never did. Mm. And I think it was, it was the same guy. It was the same voice. There was the piano. But I think it took a long time and it took a lot of, I think, fortitude in the fact that it was been very easy to say, okay, that song is it. Because, you know, the record company was ready to roll. You know, we would have sold some records. But deep down in my gut, I'm like, I don't have it yet and, and I have to get it right. I have to get it right this time. And then luckily, you know, 100 years kind of became what it did and and stood on its own. And I actually think, you know, 100 years may have permeated the culture more than Superman, but who knows?
0: Like I said, Superman for me is, it's kind of like it's a time capsule in a moment of intense feeling. 100 years is by far my favorite song of yours. I've played the video as a bumper at events at times to try to show people context. And I believe it's so counter to our nature. I was thinking about it this morning, actually I was shaving the mirror and I went, none of us think we're going to die. We don't live like we're going to die. I think human beings have to have this built-in mechanism not to really embrace that. But to me, it's like the ultimate perspective song, right? You know, you go through the different ages and the stages. You know, I'm 21 for a minute. Just all these different stages in your life, and it's just for a minute. And again, if someone's new to you today, the beauty of today is they can, right after this podcast, download Superman in 100 years, right? And the next thing you know, they can have this great experience and all this comes to life. But... Talk a little bit about the actual concept of 100 Years, where that came from, and what that should mean to people as they're going through their life.
1: Well, you know, we've always heard about the sentiment, you know, live in the moment, appreciate the moment, recognize the moment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these songs, you know, Brian, are, are post-it notes to myself because
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm not very good at that. And, and uh, part of what makes us maybe successful is, is pushing the goalpost and strategizing for the future. And, but if all we do is that, you know what is the point? And and I remember um, I was very kind of blessed when Superman became a hit. My daughter was born, and I had two young kids, and the world was perfect, and I, I was realizing my childhood dream. You know, young family, and but of course with with kids, you put them on your lap, and and I I think one day I was looking, and you know, and I, you know I was probably strategizing about all the. Promo I had to do, and the concerts, and the tours, and how to take it to the next level, and and then you look at your child's eyes, and you're like, oh, well, what matters? Mm. Because that two-year-old doesn't know if I have a hit or a miss. They don't know if I sold out or nobody showed up, mm. and they don't care. Right. And I'm like, you know, I better be careful here, mm. because if if your whole self-esteem gets wrapped up in what you do, at some point that's going to go backwards. And I think it was just a nice reminder of, of you know. Look, the moment's not always great. Sometimes it's tragic. Sometimes it's horrible. But uh, it's what we got. And and that's, I think, where 100 years came from. And again, because I had success late, you know, I was in my mid-30s. I think that there was a certain gratitude to, to where I was. And and it's funny. You know, Superman, I could not write today because, you know, as I've told you, I found out in the interim 20 years it's pretty darn easy to be me. <laughs>
0: right. And
1: uh, I've I've met people with real challenges, and I've learned that most of us have no problems. We think we have problems, but we don't. And, right. But 100 years, I live, you know, every time I play it, I just move through it, you know. I'm now in the bridge and, you know, just right after halftime. And, <laughs> and it, 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 it's, it's kind of really fun that, every, yep. you know, and we just spoke about, look, you know, we we just dropping off our kids at college. It's just, you know, for us, it, it seems just yesterday they were born. Right. And life moves so fast. And if you don't, at least spend some time in the middle of it that i think you'll miss it and right. and that's for me so important to like you know i ha, you know my dad's eighty years old right it's not going to go on forever right. so every time i come here i'm like i'm kind of grateful for the day and mm. and we just visited my son at baylor and, and i'm grateful for the day and and uh, i still have to keep forcing myself to do it though because it's not natural for me you mm. know it's, it's more natural about what i got to do next let's right. up the ante let's grow. let's grow let's grow let's hit the next one and but I think that's what songs are, are really right. nice for. They kind of bring you back, they remind you, and you can keep listening to it. And, and 20 years after you hear it for the first time, it still has a significance.
0: Uh, and there's one word in that song that I think is the profound hook of the whole thing. Where it's the word only. Yeah. And it, you only have 100 years to live. And yeah, I think we make the most of it. You know, drink deep, love well invest in relationships. You know, you, you're the guy that's... People here. this this is kind of interesting. This guy is this... You know, he's a star. He's got the records. He's got this. He's back at the family business. But yet, how many people have found their identity in the persona that they are on stage? Mm-hmm. And they never got to experienced a 100 years to live their life became wrapped up in it and we know all the the tragedies of whether it be the movie stars the music industry especially because the road is so hard you know the sports all the glamour all the fame and sometimes no perspective so you know it seems like the slovak grounding came through <laughs> it's still working and uh, you know it's a good life it's not always awesome but uh you've made your mark and you continue to make your mark and now you're making your mark by doing your presentations where you're speaking to this, you play your music. We're so excited to have you again, John. In fact, uh, we just booked our calendar, and you're going to be joining us at the Monterey Convention Center in September, and we're just so excited for you to share your gifts with our audience and members there. You know, I think you're making a huge impact now by bringing even more meaning to the music, and I'm glad for your friendship. I'm so excited that we get the chance to work together, and I just think it's profound stuff. I'm going to jump on you here as we finish up, And I kind of gave you a warning. I didn't tell you what we were going to ask you, but the regular listeners to this program know every time I have a guest like you on, the five questions I ask everybody, no matter who they are, what they are, where they've come from. And it's kind of a neat insight into our guest and also something for people to think about. So if you're in the seat, John Ondrazek, I'm going to give you five questions, and hopefully at the end of it, we're not fighting for five. So here we go. Let's do it. Number one, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten?
1: Oh, Wow. Don't be afraid to say no. Mm, Love it. Who gave you that? My mom. Ah,
0: yes. Sounds like your mom and my mom are very similar, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I would say this. I say this to the ladies in our audience all the time. Never underestimate your value, ladies. Never underestimate your value. You have a lot of influence. That's awesome. Don't be afraid to say no. Words to live by. Number two, what one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that
1: you currently don't? Um... Wayne Gretzky's hockey ability. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know we have a lot of Canadian fans, so they're gonna they're gonna love this stuff. You know what's funny? Guess what? I've asked. I mean, you name it has been on this show. That who's who? Guess what? The number one answer normally is
1: uh, to fly. The number one
0: know. answer they'd like to be on stage and be able to play music or saying yeah. in front of an audience. So you already have the thing that almost every one of these celebrities are successful people want. Yeah,
1: so. yeah, the grass is always green, right. Brian. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> ballers want to be
0: rappers, and rappers want to be ballers. I understand. Be careful
1: what you wish <laughs> yeah. for.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, great. What book has been uh, most instrumental in your life?
1: Oh, wow, that's another great one. My favorite author is Haruki Murakami. Hmm. who is a Japanese author and, to me, the best living author. And, uh, you know, you can take IQ84 or any, any of his books. For for those of you who are readers, check out Murakami. I don't think you'll be disappointed. How do you spell that? I've
0: never heard of it. Rarely yeah. have I heard an author. I don't know. Murakami, yeah. Japanese, okay. M-U-R. Uh, yeah. A-K-I-M-I, and that's IQ84. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Rare do I reach one that I haven't heard, so now I'm excited yep. and intrigued. And- yep. We'll probably sell thousands of Mr. Murakami's <laughs> books here today. Awesome. Okay. Now, this is an odd one for you, but I'm going to get into it. This is a question I ask everybody. What's your jam? You're in the car. It's Dad's song. It's either a song, a band, a music, and it's kind of like Dad's listening to his music. What would the kids say? What What's the one you listen to or songs you listen to to get you fired up, motivated, or into
1: that space? Well, I'll just go to, like... What's still in my CD player 30 years later? Yes, yes. And I believe if if you walk out to my car right now, you will still find the Who's Tommy in my CD player. (laughs) So it's it's certainly the 70s, Uh and you know it's either the Who or the Beatles or or uh, you know those kind of folks. So. I'll go with one that's real, and it's, it's The Who's Tommy. Nice. One of my all-time memorable experiences was
0: with the Chieftains. And the Chieftains, you know, been around 50 years, been on Johnny Carson forever, did all the Irish, you know, I mean, Thomas, 1700s. Yeah. And one of the greatest jams I ever saw was The Who and The Chieftains together. And it wow. was absolutely, like, I, I, I can't even tell you. You know, there's an Irish Jew called a Coddle which is as basically everything but the kitchen sink is thrown into it and the who and the 17th century playing you know irish jigs and ballads uh, together was a night i'll never forget so they're they're pretty awesome last but not least it's the movie you watch over and over you're scrolling through the channels you don't do it very often but this is on and you'll stop and take a look if there's one movie that catches your eye all the time what would it be
1: you know, this is going to be cheesy, it's going to be generic, but I can say this because at 15 years old, me and my dad stood in line for four hours at the Groman's Chinese Theater to see Star Wars. Oh, man. And every time there's a new one, good, bad, or ugly, we are back at the Groman Chinese <laughs> standing in line the first week to see whatever you know iteration of Star Wars there is. Nothing could top that first day, but yeah. you know, as a fifteen year old to see that movie at that time of American culture and American cinema. The Godfather's great, let's go down the list. Yeah. You know, any Bill Murray movie, we can go there. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll be generic and boring and say uh, Star they,
0: Wars. Just so you know, your stock price just doubled at the Buffini household. Okay. <laughs> My kids are not just a little bit into Star Wars. I mean They have dragged me to the Star Wars celebration conferences in London, in Orlando. My wife and I, we don't go to concerts and things anymore unless, you know, we're dropped at the seat and brought to the box. We're (laughs) laying on the floor for four hours waiting to get in to see some dude in an Obi-Wan Kenobi costume. So Star Wars is where it's at in my family. So uh, your stock price just went up. If my kids hear this podcast, I'm going to have to book you at every event we have, John. So anyway, but listen. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your gift. I appreciate your authenticity. I love meeting your bride and how uh, you guys are just the real thing. And I've been around a lot of musicians and good and bad lights, you know, and it just, I think it's marvelous. The career you've had, the humility you have, the message you have, and yet this grounding that I think comes from, you know, Slovak hard work and a mom that's uh, like every great mom that ever was, and now you've passed this on to your kids, and, and you're doing it. And I just think you're a, real, you're a real treasure what you're doing to bring this great mix of this excitement and celebrity and world-class music, the experience you've had, whether it be Superman, 100 years, you know, all the, the music you've produced. I just love you. I mean, I, I can go on and on, easy tonight. But at the end of the day, I love the fact of how you present it, and I love who you are. And we're really just proud to be associated with you. I thank you for being a part of our events and thanks for joining me today. I, I had a hoot. I hope you did.
1: Well, thank you, Brian. And you know what? I learn a lot from you, too. You know, I, I try to live what I teach. I've been working on that ever since I heard your keynote in San Diego. And, and you know, we talked about, you know, can you do it on stage and can you turn it off when you walk off stage mm-hmm. and, and meeting you? And, you know, it's, it's easy to see, you know, in Beverly and your kids. You do it right. You're an inspiration to me as well, and and, uh, it's always a pleasure, and I look forward to the next time.
0: You bet. Well, uh, before we let go here today, we're going to hand over our broadcast to our producer, who a great musician in his own right, Mr. David Lally, the lead of Brogue Wave and the theme song for our show, and uh, he has a few words to say to you today before we have our parting words. And once again, John, thanks a million. Appreciate you, bud. Sure, buddy. Thanks, John. So great to have you with us today. As Brian mentioned, you can see John live at our Success Tour event in Monterey this September. He's a great guy, and his live presentation is so powerful. To get more information on that event, visit buffiniandcompany.com slash bbst. And until next time, I'll leave you with a little Irish blessing from Brian's mum, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face until we meet again may god hold you in the hollow of his hand see you next time